Coming up today on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. For some people, medications can really make a difference. They can lift the darkness that a person is feeling long enough for them to actually work through the issues. But even when you take a medication, you have to remember it's only managing symptoms and it doesn't always get to the core of the issues unless there's a biological core. The Dr. Linda Mental Show is next. And welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor. And I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're always so glad that you've joined us. Dr. Linda, ever wear a shirt that just doesn't fit right? A little bit too tight here? Yeah, it just doesn't fit, you know? So I need to find a shirt that fits for the next show. We'll, we'll do because that. we're on radio and people are going to notice your shirt. <laughs> That's a good point. They don't seem to really care, do they? Well, they don't see it. That's, That's right. why they don't care. Well, today's show is on a topic that affects a lot of people, and sometimes we don't know how to respond to people who struggle with this issue. So today we're going to broaden our understanding and offer ways to help. That's right. And we're talking about what has really skyrocketed during the pandemic it's been a problem for a lot of people anyway, but the pandemic did not help matters. And that is that we saw a rise in depression mm. and anxiety. And during this time of more social isolation that people have been through, a lot of people used alcohol to cope, especially young people. The statistics, I was looking at those the other day, Chris, and it was quite astounding how many people were lonely, sitting at home, feeling sad, and then were drinking as a response mm. to that. So COVID has created a lot of stress and isolation and disruption of routines and financial hardship and illness and especially fear, which maybe we'll do a show on that again. But depression is one of those things that has really been problematic. And I would imagine it's harder to manage depression uh, when people with the pandemic have been isolated and mm-hmm. cut off from their normal support systems. There was a study in JAMA, which is a respected journal from the Medical Association, and it reported that the prevalence of depressive symptoms in the United States was three times higher during COVID than before the pandemic. So that's to your point. Mm. And this means that we have a lot more people that are struggling right now. Sometimes anxiety and depression are linked together. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between the two? That's a really good question because it's we think of it now like on a spectrum. So a lot mm-hmm. of people can begin with anxiety, especially when they're in their childhood or their teen years. And if they don't get some help with that, then it can kind of morph into depression. So anxiety is more of this just anxious feeling really prompted by a lot of fear and worry. Mm. Uh, Whereas depression then goes into this very sad mood. You know, you have to have it for a period of time. And there's a lot of symptoms like a change in appetite, change in your sleep, feelings of worthlessness, Mm -hmm. hopelessness, sometimes suicidal thoughts, concentration problems. You get kind of agitated or irritable when you're dealing with it. You lose interest in the things that are around you. Those are some of the signs that we see to say somebody's moving from just feeling down to really feeling like they might have a clinical depression. I see. Okay, so that moves us into then what does depression feel like and and how do people describe it? You know, I was thinking about what patients say, and then I looked up a few quotes to see if I could find some more of those. And one person said, it's like drowning, except everyone around you is breathing. That's a really interesting way to think about it. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of times I hear people say it's like a dark tunnel and they're having trouble seeing the light at the end of that tunnel. Another one, it's like feeling like you lost something, but you have no clue when or where you lost it. Then one day you realize, oh, you've lost yourself. Here's one, my soul just weeps. Mm. A constant feeling of being numb to life. It's like a cage without a key. And then this one is sleep isn't sleep anymore. It's just a way to escape, which is why a lot of times people Mm -hmm. sleep more than usual. There's a song that has a line in it that says, and it's got me sleeping in. Yeah, that's it. And depression really is more complicated than we understand. We say, hey, they're depressed, but it's more than that. Yeah, and it's more than just the chemical imbalance, which is what you hear people say, that it's just not quite that simple. It involves a lot of faulty brain regulation that really impacts your mood. A lot of people have a genetic vulnerability to it. So whereas one person might not respond with depression, somebody else might because they have more of a genetic proneness to that. And then, you know, depending on the stress in your life, the events that you've experienced, sometimes depression comes from medical problems. So, you know, somebody with cancer, uh, someone with heart disease, heart disease and depression are highly associated together. And sometimes it can be a result of some medication that you took. So in other words, it's a real combination of many factors that lead to depression. So because there are so many reasons people can become depressed, should we be you know, more sensitive and possibly less judgmental? I think especially in the church. We need Mm -hmm. to have a lot more understanding. I'll give you an example. One of my patients was told by someone in the church that she was depressed because she lacked faith. Wow. And actually, her depression stemmed from her cancer treatments and the side effect of those drugs. Another person I worked with was told that she was was depressed because she had some type of demonic oppression. Mm. When in fact, this patient had a terrible and a rare reaction to a new medication that was prescribed for her. Once she got off the medication, that depression went away. So, you know, it was very different than what the person thought. So you you need to avoid a quick move to judgment. And that's one of the things we want to say in terms of understanding and helping people. Don't be so quick to judge why you don't know the person, you don't have a full understanding of their life. It may not be a, a good idea where spiritual advice is needed to give medical advice. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You should probably stay out of that profession if you're not a medical professional. Or use your spiritual advice when there's actually a medical problem. You know, saying it's a result of a lack of faith or you don't understand who you are, that kind of thing. But not all depression is biologically caused. That's right. I have treated Christians whose, you know, their spiritual life and their relational, emotional lives were not in order. They weren't aligned, right? When that happens, you can sometimes get depressed. Or, you know, they just really oppose wise counsel from people. They're making really bad choices, and they have unrepentant hearts, and they have a lot of brokenness that they're not willing to look at or to try to repair. I think of the biblical story of Naomi, Chris. This was a woman who suffered a lot of personal loss, And at one point, she felt that God had turned away from her. And so she turned away from him. Mm -hmm. And she asked to be called Mara. Remember that? Which means bitter. And uh, that change came when she was reminded of the personal covenant that God had with her. And she, she made a shift and a change away from that bitterness. So there are times we need to make better choices. There are times we need to renew our thinking. And there are times when we need to just learn to cope better. I know you get asked this a lot, but uh, what about taking medication for depression? For some people, medications can really, really make a difference. 
And sometimes they can be life-saving or they can lift the darkness that a person is feeling long enough for them to actually work through the issues that they need to work through. But even when you take a medication, you have to remember it's only managing symptoms. It's just Mm -hmm. treating symptoms. And it doesn't always get to the core of the issues unless there's a biological core. The depression itself is complicated, but the treatment is too. And there's not a one-size-fits-all for that. That's right. So because it involves your genetics, it involves your life experiences, your coping, your relationships, and your spiritual life, you have to address body, soul, and spirit. And we want to remind you, too, that while depression involves a lot of factors, there are good treatments that people can get. And that's our focus today. How do you help someone who's depressed? The frustration for me as a therapist is that so many people do not take advantage of the help there is. So hopefully you can encourage someone after listening to this show and encourage them to get help. Before we go to the break, in general, why do we avoid talking about depression, especially in the church? There's still a big stigma on mental health problems in the church, and too many people still believe that if you're a Christian, you shouldn't have any of these struggles. And yet, it is quite clear to me that when I look at several of the Bible characters, that they struggled with depressed feelings. So being a Christian, you know, you're still influenced by your genetics and your life experiences and how you cope with things. You know, Chris, but God is our strength. He helps us with depressed feelings when we turn to him. But to pretend like no one has depression, that only alienates people from the faith. There are people that are more prone to depression for all the reasons we've already discussed, and we need to welcome those conversations in the church. There's more to talk about concerning how we can, as believers, handle the issue of depression. And let's get to that after the break. More on the topic of depression on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. How you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships. Do you avoid? Maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did. Getting control of our emotions is not always easy, but it is possible. Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book, We Need to Talk, in order to help all of us deal better with conflict. We Need to Talk, available at bookstores and online where books are sold. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and today we are talking about how to help a depressed person. Before we continue this important conversation, I want to remind you to check out Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. That's where you can get her blogs, books, and you can connect on social media. And Dr. Linda has a pocket-sized book, Breaking Free from Depression, and it's packed with helpful tips to better understand and get help for depression. You can find the link on her website. And remember, you can listen to today's show anytime on iTunes, and you can share it with a friend. And Dr. Linda, before the break, we were talking about how the church deals with this issue of depression and how we can deal with that. And you had a, a, a situation that happened in a Bible study. I did. And what happened was no one had ever talked about depression in our small group. We had a, a small group of women. But one time we were in there, one woman who was very brave about bringing this up stated that she needed to have us pray for her because of depression. Mm-hmm. And a silence fell over the group, Chris. Five minutes passed. It was really uncomfortable. Oh. People were looking down. No one spoke or responded to it. It was really awkward. Yeah. And she was kind of waiting for a response. And all I did was offer a word of support and encouragement. And to all of our surprise, three other women started talking about their depression as well. Hmm. A couple of people said they were on medication. And everybody just kind of breathed a sigh of relief. And we got down to some serious prayer and some Bible study. 
once the elephant in the room was acknowledged, you could move on with some substance. Yeah, and that was it. So, you know, one of the things that we're saying is don't minimize a person's feelings or say it's not that bad mm-hmm. if they acknowledge this depression. Because sometimes we go, oh, it's God's got that, or don't worry about it, or it'll be okay. You know, it's a serious problem, a serious illness that can lead to suicide, especially if somebody doesn't get treatment. So take it seriously, encourage the person to get help, and if you can, refer them to a licensed Christian mental health provider who will address the mind, body, and spirit, and reassure a person that getting help does not mean failure. It's actually a step towards their healing. I would think that most people would need some encouragement to take that next step. Yeah, they do, because when you feel depressed, you know, you just don't feel like getting help. Uh, The depression keeps you from doing active things like saying, oh, I think I'll go and schedule an appointment for something. Mm -hmm. So encourage people to get help. You might even offer to drive them to an appointment or go with them to the appointment. Having the support of a friend can really make all the difference. So should we encourage someone to take medication if they are actually depressed? Well, would you encourage someone who has diabetes to take their insulin? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. So antidepressants can help people, and some types of depression are more biological, organic based. For example, someone with bipolar disorder, which is another type of depression, has a depression component to it. Uh, they need to be on medication, or they run the risk of serious episodes of depression that could really lead to self harm. Support someone who wants to try a medication. It may be just what they need. And remember that many antidepressants take weeks to get a therapeutic dose and to Mm. actually be effective. So until around four to six, some pharmacologists would tell you more like six to eight weeks, that's what it takes. So sometimes people will start taking them and go, after a couple of weeks, this isn't doing anything. Right. But you have to wait with a lot of these medications. They take time to be effective. And we need to take the shame out of taking medication for depression because I imagine some people just don't do it because of the stigma and the shame that's associated. They feel like they are, are weak or not trusting God enough. Yeah, and that that's a message that in some ways the church has given either directly or indirectly. Mm-hmm. But if there is a medicine that can help you get out of that dark place and start functioning again, then I would be very supportive of a person's decision to try it. You know, again, medications don't cure depression. Now, they may stabilize some people depending on the type of depression that they have, but they do help with the symptoms and they get people functioning again. So it's not like taking an antibiotic and the infection goes away. Mm -hmm. You still have to get at the root of the depression and still work probably with someone. I know you believe they are helpful to many people. And like you said, not everyone needs to take medication, but for those who do, we should be supportive. You know, in my 20-some years of practice, I've seen the the difference that they can make. And, you know, some of them do have side effects. Most of them do. So you have to see a physician. You have to get a physical. You need to be followed. And you have to give that medication, like I said, enough time to work. Take it as prescribed. You know, don't give up on it if one type doesn't work. So this is kind of a trial and error process as Mm -hmm. well, where you're trying to figure out with this person's body chemistry what medication is going to be the most effective. So tell your friends, tell your family members not to stop taking them suddenly either when they feel better because there's a lot of problems with that. They need to discuss this with their doctor, and they need to be tapered off of them with a doctor on a schedule if both of you agree that this should be done. Do people have to stay on depression medication forever? Well, not necessarily, but if you have a high risk for depression relapse, you might. The more episodes you have, the longer you're probably going to need to take them. 
And this probably indicates that there's more of a biological vulnerability in your body with this. But the decision to go off or stay on is based on a lot of factors that you need to discuss with your physician. So how important then is it to encourage realistic expectations like maybe this will this will be a process of healing? You know, both of us believe that God does heal and healing can be progressive. It can come in ways sometimes that we don't expect. So change may be gradual for some people, not real immediate. But in the meantime, you have to stay hopeful and try different treatments because sometimes that's what it takes to find the right thing that's going to help you. Some depressions are what we call resistant. It means that they just don't seem to get better easily. But there are a number of new approaches. Just don't give up. There are new treatments being developed all the time. It may be hard to you know, live with someone who is depressed, but the role of unconditional love and support is important. So important. Just so important. Let the person know that being depressed won't push you away, that you'll pray even when they can't pray, and you'll support their treatment. You will love and care for them even in dark times. I mean, isn't that the message we want to say when you're going through something difficult? We want our friends to stay with us Mm, and to pray with us. And when you have people around you that can do that, it makes such a difference because your tendency is you want to isolate and go away and kind of hide. I am not a mental health provider, but I can still suggest some lifestyle changes that might help. That's right. We know that some things in our lifestyle really make a difference. One of those is having a daily routine. When you're depressed, you get out of your routine because you don't have the energy to do what you have been doing. So even though the person won't feel like doing anything, encourage them to get out of bed, to get dressed, to do some of their regular activities in the day. This is a useless question, Dr. Linda, because I know what you're going to say, but (laughs) what about exercise? (laughs) You know that because? (laughs) Exercise fixes everything, apparently. (laughs) I talk about it a lot, don't I? I do. So if if you have this depressed person in your life, uh, I don't know, invite them to go for a walk, play golf, and do something active. Exactly, exactly. The benefits of exercise, the reason I talk about it so much is because there's so many (laughs) physical and emotional benefits and even spiritual benefits. It really does release those important brain chemicals that are mood-enhancing. And it's just one of the best feel-good brain things that you Mm -hmm. can do for yourself. Now, the person may repeatedly say, no, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. I can't do that. But you have to be persistent. Yeah, you want to make sure that you're inviting them to do a Bible study or come to dinner or go to a play or to do something. And just don't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. Just say, you know, something like, come on, we're going for a walk. We want you to join us. You know, make sure you're trying to be a little bit more persistent because, as we've just said, getting them up, getting them active will really help. And they won't do it on their own. And they do need a little bit of gentle pushing to do things. What about just plain old listening? You know, it's really sad to me, Chris, that there have been a lot of polls about do people have these supportive people in their life that they can listen to, that will listen to them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people say they don't have anyone who listens to them. And I think that's one of the reasons why therapy is so effective, because people are lonely and they need to process their feelings with someone else. So we benefit a lot from talking to a friend. So be a friend Mm -hmm. and simply just listen to them. Well, today we're talking about depression and how we can deal with that and uh, and others in our lives. And we do have a few more tips. And when we come back, how can we be a spiritual encouragement? Dr. Linda, one of our listeners asked this question. Sometimes I'm so overcome with worry and anxiety that I, I think I'm losing my mind. Seems I've tried everything from drugs to meditation. Why doesn't anything work? 
Well, I'm so sorry that your life seems so unmanageable and overwhelming. Too often, though, it does seem nearly impossible to live in peace and contentment because of all the craziness in our world. Did you know that God's plan for handling worry is so simple and yet so perfect that you can begin using it today? Did you know that starting right now, you can begin to cultivate a worry-free life? These aren't pie-in-the-sky promises. They're God's prescription for you to thrive and to soar past your anxiety and worries. Try this. The next time you begin to feel overwhelmed by life's pressures and worry clouds your mind with negative thoughts and depression, say what King David prayed. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Remind yourself that my heart trusts in Him and I am helped. I have so much more good news for you. I hope you'll find it in my book, Letting Go of Worry. Thanks, Dr. Linda. Now that's great advice. You can find God's plan for your peace and contentment in Dr. Linda's book, Letting Go of Worry. It's available wherever you buy your books online. You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books you can find on her website or online. The book that is relevant to today's conversation is Breaking Free from Depression. It's a small pocket-sized book. It's easy to read, and it's packed with helpful information on depression. And don't forget about our podcast on iTunes, and you can tell your friends about it as well. Now, Dr. Linda, this book fits in your pocket. It does. It's a really tiny book. Like you said, it has a lot of very specific things. There's some scriptural help in there, as well as treatment help. I want to see if it really fits in my pocket. Uh, Yeah, I'm wondering, would it fit in the back of a a jeans pocket? I think it would, actually. So we can try it. I'll have to bring one, and you can try it and see if it fits in the back. It fits in a purse really easily, so I know that. Got it. You know, I was thinking about how to help somebody who is depressed. And, you know, I know when I have something difficult, it does help to have someone encourage me to take that next needed step. And I'm not a counselor, but I can encourage someone in their spiritual life. You know, Chris, I have to encourage you all the time, right? Yes, you do. (laughs) Not necessarily on depression, but it, it, it fits here on depression because you're right. When you have to do something difficult in your life, and you're kind of by yourself and you're, you know, how your mind goes and you start thinking, can I really do this? Is it going to work? How am I going to make this happen? If you have somebody that comes alongside of you and says, I'm here for you. Let's encourage you. Yes, you can do this. Just think how that would apply to someone who's really struggling and they're down. And especially if you talk to somebody about your spiritual life, the person may feel like God has abandoned them. And they may need you to remind them, remember, he doesn't leave us, Mm -hmm. even though you feel at that time like you don't feel God's presence all the time. So having another person coming alongside you and saying, God hasn't abandoned you. I know it feels that way, but remember that he's always with us when we go through it. You know, that can just make the difference of you're, you're kind of lifting people up in the process where they're having trouble doing it themselves. I think what's hard about it is that, you know, a lot of times we want God to, uh, just fix it and take us out of that tough time. But that's not really what the Bible says that God does. It's hard because the promise is that God goes through the tough Mm. time with us. And the scripture tells us that we're going to have trouble. We're going to have problems. You know, Paul had a thorn in his flesh that really bothered him. And he asked several times for it to be removed. And let's just listen to that scripture. This is what he said in the word. I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast in my infirmities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. 
and because we all have limitations, we all have brokenness, we all struggle with things, we can't always make things right, and we can't always stop people from suffering. And that's a reminder to us, Chris, that we live in the in-between, right? right. After the fall, but before everything is going to be made right. And, you know, when we're helping people, we need to be careful as believers to not get preachy yeah. know, and stand on a podium and say, here's how this should go. We need to rather encourage with the scriptures. Yeah, don't just throw a bunch of platitudes at a person, um, but you can use scripture to address a specific feeling. So that feeling of being abandoned by God, you can use a scripture to say, look what the scripture says. That's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. Or you could say to somebody who's saying, it's just too much. I, I can't handle all this. You can remind them of a scripture that says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that's a good use of Scripture, to remind the person to renew their mind with the thoughts of God's Word. What if when you are are helping someone, the person says, I just don't have the faith to feel better. I, I even doubt God right now. And that's an easy thought to have when you're feeling down and you're feeling depressed. But I try to remember Hannah in the Bible. She had a lot of heartbreak because she couldn't have a child. And I can really relate to her because I had that same heartbreak for seven years. The scripture says that she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Now, anyone who's struggling for depression listening to this can really relate to that, what Hannah said. But in her bitter, angry, and broken place, what'd she do? She turned toward God, not away from him. And she saw God as her only answer And she allowed her distress to push her towards God, which was the choice that I made during that time as well. And it's the only thing that really saved me and helped me. Hmm. So sometimes we have to turn to God in faith and not allow unbelief to set in. So even in the middle of all of that despair, we still hope in the Lord. Yeah, and you can encourage people in that. The Bible reassures us that there are better things ahead that there is a plan and a future. For now, we pray with the person who is depressed. We ask God to heal and bring wholeness to that person. You know, maybe the best thing we can do is to let the person know that, hey, you can get better. You know, my mother-in-law used to say, this too shall pass. (laughs) And it's a reminder that in God's kingdom, there's always a way of escape or a hope for a better day, and that this present darkness will one day give way to light. As we uh, get near the end of the program, I do want to ask this. What about when people say depression is a sin? I think it's simply wrong. It's it's an illness, like any other illness. We live, like I said, in a diseased state after the fall. The brain can be diseased just like any other organ in the body can be, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't call diabetes or heart disease a sin. Once I heard someone say that depression is punishment from God. Well, that would be frightening to hear if somebody said that to me. Mm-hmm. Remember the interaction Jesus had with the blind man that was recorded in John? As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? And Jesus answers by saying, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. That doesn't sound like punishment to me. That sounds like Jesus is trying to correct their thinking. So the bottom line here is, remember, someone who struggles with depression has a lot going on that you may not understand, and a lot of factors are involved. But tell them you're not cut off from God. You're not alone. God's love and faithfulness do not depend on you. 
God can bring something good out of even a time of depression. So lean on Jesus, lean on your friends, lean on your family, get some treatment, pray for wholeness, and don't lose sight of hope. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, and our engineer and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes this show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.